Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Hi, Courageitarians. Welcome back. I want to give a shout out to Patty G. She writes us a review on iTunes called Empowering and Educational. Patty G shares excellent podcast. I love that Tanya and Kimberly are incorporating yoga to the whole person. This is a must listen for people wanting to connect to their whole being. Yoga, movement, holistic practitioners who want to expand their knowledge and approach. Healthcare professionals wishing to integrate yoga into their practice and anyone who is willing to get real and dirty. Thank you, Patty G. Thank you, Patty. What a lovely, awesome review. So for all of you out there, take note. We'd like to hear from you too. So today we're going to talk about mindful entrepreneurs, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I aspire to be one. I feel like, Kim, you are one. (laughs) Um, More and more, people are branching out on their own to work themselves, taking their side hustle to the mainstream deciding, you know, passion project needs to come up to the next level. I think this is due to the availability of low-cost internet marketing. It seems easier than ever to launch a business from your home nowadays. Uh, For most of us, pursuing our passion means seeking something more intentional and meaningful than working for others. At least that's what it was for me. Additionally, I feel like that outdated roadmap to success where it's like high school plus college equals a job or a career for the rest of your life (laughs) isn't isn't really the way things are anymore like it's just not realistic it doesn't fit our modern model um and in looking up some information about this episode i discovered that currently the average american will work 12 different jobs in their lifetime So I guess it's pretty safe to assume that these jobs are not all jobs that that individual is passionate about. It's much more like you take what you can get or um, take one to build upon to get to your goal. So how many of us have stopped or stalled pursuing passions to follow what's safe or secure? Um, Or, you know, our parents suggested a career path that we follow. Or in my case, this is pretty common. We just fell into something that paid just enough to get us keeping up with Joneses. So that was definitely it for me and how I kind of grew through. I didn't have a direct career path until now. And I'm, you know, almost 40. So... Kim, I kind of look up to you as a mindful entrepreneur, and I wanted to ask you as we start to discuss this, um, A, how did you start? And B, without making, I don't want to make an assumption, 
but I assume because you opened up the yoga and Pilates studio, <laughs> the <laughs> mindfulness was a priority in your, in your business planning. Um, but was it, I guess, since I don't want to assume. Well, it's funny when you use the words mindful entrepreneur, I think I have made so many mistakes. I'm not sure <laughs> I was mindful. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times I hear other small business owners saying, you know, you've got it so together, you run it like a business, blah, blah, blah. And I'm always try to um, be mindful and saying, please don't compare my highlight reel that's put out in marketing as, you know, my everything reel. Because behind that highlight reel is a lot of mess and a lot of mistake. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're like, I look up to you and I'm like, my heart like sinks because I go, oh no. (laughs) Well, but I can absolutely, I know that you've, done this for the last 10 years oh yeah I'm, I'm 11 years I've been uh going strong at it right with so with I'm, clients in front of my face and it and it actually began before uh you know clients before you see your first client right but uh you asked how did I get started my my brother had had a really bad accident and I was still working in human resources um for TJX company and uh, Nick and I were planning our wedding at the same time. So we had postponed our wedding and I went home and cared for him. I think I was home maybe six to eight weeks and uh, they had held my job. And so when I finally decided, you know, I was going back home and, um, you know, it was going to be just after the holiday and I thought, well, I'll return to work and and Nick says, I don't think you should return to work. And at first I was really abrasive by that because I thought, what do you mean you're, you know, and tell me I can't go back to work. But um, he said, I really think you would be a good uh, small business owner. And we're in the middle of planning our wedding. And he's like, why don't you just plan the wedding and then also start to work on a business plan? And that's how it really got started. And so while we're re-educating myself into a different career, um, we started going to uh, some conferences and at first I started out in a gym more as a personal trainer because I could mm-hmm. get a personal training certification at the community college. And, um, I didn't like the philosophy. It, you know, the philosophy was, uh, you know, push them hard. If they cancel on you, you make sure they can't walk out of the gym the next time. And I felt like I was browbeating people down to what their number that they needed to be to feel worthy was. And then they would go off and go back to old habits and then they'd come back and I'd do it again. And, and I thought, you know, this is a whole person in front of me that doesn't need to be treated this way. And the uh, idea had their first mind-body conference in Lake Las Vegas. And um, Nick and I were going out there to, for me to kind of get some continuing education credits for the World Expo conference they were having and he was going to work the vendors and see what he could get for pricing. And I saw this mind body conference and I said, do you think that I could go out a couple days early and um, we could see about that? And he said, yeah, you know, let's, you know, let's just see what it is. Sure. So I flew out early and it was like this whole world had opened up and I, I was like, I'm here with 300 people from seven different countries And we all thought the same thing, like there has to be a better way. Because if we looked at the statistics of uh, Americans, it wasn't getting any better. Um, 
And so that's where I met Dr. Ralph LaForge from Duke University. And he defined what a mind-body exercise was. You know, it had to include the body. So cognitive, it had to, uh, it had to include the mind, which is cognitive thinking. It had to include some sort of physical movement with the body. It also had to include spirit or breath. And so that became, that day we sat, I think it was at the burger bar in Vegas on a napkin, came up with our name, Mind Body Balance. And um, then we also wrote that definition out. And as we've picked services to go into our business, if it doesn't fit into uh, kind of Ralph LaForge's definition of what mind body movement was, then we would pass on it. Uh, and we looked for things that were also research based so that we weren't giving our clients trendy, you know, the latest trend. Because when you first start in this industry, everybody's coming at you with their latest and greatest thing, right? Sure. And so it was a way for us to kind of, um, you know, clear some clutter for our clients and just get down to what the priorities were. So that's how I got started. <laughs> I love that. So I, I have to start by saying I did not assume, like when I say that I look up to you, I look up to you because I know that you did all this stuff first. So I know that there were patches <laughs> where um, maybe you weren't so mindful or maybe you didn't feel mindful. But knowing the way that you run your business now comes from a very mindful approach and and as we continue this conversation I'll get into kind of what I mean by that like what what mindful entrepreneurship means to me there is no one definition I feel like um I mean you could you could get online and kind of look it up and it might range from just somebody you know, having uh, specific intentions about their business to people who are like super, um, what we like to lovingly call woo woo <laughs> with the way that they do things. And, um, you know, but I, I think just in general to me, the way that you run your business now is very mindful. The way that you um, work with your clients, the way that you run your business, the way that you deal with employees. Um, are all very thoughtful and they value and, and they're driven by your purpose and passion and they value the client as an individual. They value your employee as an individual and you value your, um, your passion and share it with others, your service using your passion versus uh, just like a cog in a wheel approach, which is kind of what I see that high school plus college equals job career often being. I'm not saying that it can't be, I suppose, you know what I mean? If you're going to be a, a doctor or a surgeon or, you know, there are any number of careers that you can still follow that path to and follow your passion. But I think more and more um, these days, it means kind of stepping outside of that box and off of that path. I agree. You know, I took the go to high school, go to college, blah, blah, blah. My brother took more of the non-traditional approach and he uh, fell into more of an apprenticeship and um, things that he liked. And when I look at our lives, I think, well... 
he's further ahead of me if we look at what the stereotypical definitions of success are. But I also look at the fact that he doesn't have, you know, $100,000 in school debt either. And that's pretty wise. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, Now that student loans and school debt are kind of a thing, like it's almost like a, like a given. If you went to college, then you also walk away with this huge amount of debt. Yeah. And it used to be like, if you go to college, you're going to be successful. You'll be able to live, quote unquote, the American dream. Now I see young people going, well, I want to go to college, but they're also mindful of, mindful of the financial piece to it. And I think when the bubble burst, you know, we had a lot of people coming out of college that really couldn't only get minimum wage jobs if they could even get that at the time. And so now you see people going, well, I could get this great degree, but what is my uh, balance sheet to that going to be in life? Like what my earning potential to my school debt, you know, is. And I don't think that that was talked about, um, at least in my circles, in my lens, it wasn't talked about as much as I hear now. No, I I agree. And um, I I don't think it was considered and now it is, but I I also think then it was escapable and now it's not. Like now it's it's a guarantee that you're going to have the debt. Um, I remember Nick and I's parents, uh, you know, really kind of criticizing us, almost shaming us. Um, at periods of time because they're like, well, you, you know, here's the two college graduates. We'd hear that all the time. Well, the two college graduates can't figure it out. And they're looking for already a house paid, 2.5 kids, you know, two new cars in the driveway. And, you know, finally I said, well, but between the two of us, do you know how much student loan debt that we have that we have to pay for first? And right. it's well over the, you know, around a really nice house that you think that we should have by now. But instead, that money is going on to our student loans. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, um, that's a very real thing. Well, and now, and I'm just going to use the kind of flippantly, but, you know, they joke about millennials. You know, we can't even afford a house. The, but it's so true. Like, not only are they burdened with this debt, but additionally, um, real estate is just so damned expensive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. it's like a double whammy. And then, you know, the, the millennials get shamed for spending all their money on avocado toast instead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I no, I do feel bad for them because, um, you know, I make less. If you think about the ratio of, you know, salary to the cost of living, mm-hmm. I make less now than I did when I first came out of undergrad. Yeah, And so I'm really sympathetic to their position. And I also see uh, kind of the family dynamic. You know, there used to be multiple generations in one household. And I feel like we're moving back to that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and those multiple generational households shouldn't be shamed by saying, oh, so you live with your parents. You know, there's, there is some value to having a multi-generational house um, is sharing expenses um, mm-hmm. you know, sharing the workload around the house, you know, there's more support there. You oh, might absolutely. be able to afford more toys. And, and, you know, and I feel like I always cringe when I hear people say, well, you know, they're living with their parents and they're in their forties, but 
if you have the school debt and our economic culture hasn't caught, you know, kept up, why, why should that be a less than? Sure. And, and is it better for them to follow their passion? And, and you're right. We do hear more people, um, what they call saying, gigging it, right? So they're picking jobs that they're passionate mm-hmm. about and maybe they're living in a multi-generational household or I've seen, uh, you know, people just young people come together and, um, they're all living in one home and, right. you know, supporting each other singularly, even if they're mm-hmm. not related by blood, which I think is great. No, I definitely see more of that too. Um, I can say, you know, having had, um, I, I jokingly say, uh, I do, I currently live in a multi-generational household because I live with my dad, but I care for him. Um, that said for, uh, a few years after, um, the year that I had my son and then Tom had back surgery and my mom went through a divorce, she moved in with us and it was super helpful because she helped out. She was there for childcare. She was there for, to help with all of those things, plus to contribute to, um, financially to the household. Um, but my joke with my friends was like, I didn't move back in with my mom. My mom moved in with me. Like there had to be that clear, (laughs) that clear distinction. Like, no, she lives with me. I don't live with her. But I, in reality, it doesn't matter which way you do it. Technically, um, you know, technically I live in my dad's house now, so I live with him, (laughs) but because I'm the one that cares for him, then, um, you know, I kind of see it the other way around, but in reality, it really doesn't matter because it does make more sense in many ways to have multiple people under one roof. If you can work that out. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I think back to, um, late nineties, early two thousands, like when you were talking about, um, making more money than you feel like you are now cost of living wise, I was doing the same. I mean, I was making, um, I was in retail management. So at 19, then I was making more than, you know, what is the general wage now. And that was 20 years ago. You know, minimum wage is, I was making like, um, I mean, just being a single person, I think I made like $16 an hour then. Mm-hmm which is just barely enough to get by now. Do you yeah, know because, what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think about, I was driving a newer car. My healthcare package was better. Oh, um, I was, was still incredible. paying for my uh, living expenses and I had some money to go do fun things and on vacation. And I'm thinking, I can't do any of that. I'm driving an older car. My health package is worse. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm always struggling to meet those survival needs. And, you know, entertainment vacations kind of out the window. <laughs> it's not even on the table anymore. Um, and my, my brother and I joke too about, you know, groceries, uh, you know, how, how much it is when you leave the grocery store and how much is in the bag is also another indicator of, you know, how things are keeping up. Sure. Yeah. You're certainly not coming home with the same amount if you stick to the similar budget. <laughs> and I, and I mean, you know, cost of living is going to go up and you expect those things to happen over 20 years, but just the fact that, um, you know, how well we were living and, and how well things were. So they say statistically there hasn't been a wage increase for somewhat for middle-class since the seventies yeah. to where we've yeah. 
you know, unless you make a significant career change, you haven't technically had a raise in it, in quotes, since the 70s. So I think that that is why a lot of people are jumping ship, if you will, from their traditional job and or have the side gig. So I was just reading that. Um, and I think the sidekick, what, what I wanted to kind of fit into this episode was what defines success for people who, who do this sort of thing, who are an entrepreneur, but are, are mindful about it. So just reading that uh, a majority of Americans define success in life as following their own unique talents and interests versus the one size fits most career. So instead of the corporate ladder cog at the wheel kind of thing that we've been discussing. And it's not to say that you couldn't find a job that is your passion within that. Um, But I think for most people, it's maybe a longer road to find that. Um, The same research shows that individuals that seek to define their career success by their own talents are most often driven to be contributing to the greater good. So again, not just being like the line worker or, um, you know, just, just the administrative assistant or something in that, but they want something that serves a greater purpose. So those two things um, contribute to what the 60% of Americans deem successful. Mm-hmm. So it's not how much money you're making. It's you're successful if you are doing something that is unique to your own talents and interests and you are serving the greater good in some way. And I found that really interesting. And I love well, that. And I love to hear that that's shifting, really. Yeah. I. Well, and it's kind of interesting when you think about future, the future of things. That may be more important anyway, because I think a lot of those cog in the wheel jobs are becoming more and more automated. They are. And uh, I was having this conversation with some of my clients the other day uh, because we have our our community bank, Monroe Bank and Trust, just Mm -hmm. got bought out by a bigger um, bank. Mm. That's not necessarily they're more investment oriented than community oriented. Right. And so there, there is going to be, you know, quite a bit of job loss in, for our area. And um, we were saying, you know, so many people have done the shoulds right. and they've given this, you know, loyalty to companies 25, 35, 45, et cetera years. Um, and that is kind of leaving, right? You, right? you can't, you don't have that trust or that same love back for donating so much of your life to this business um, and, and working towards it. And I think that that's maybe perhaps shifting as an industrialization, right? Seems to be leaving and our, our parents grew up on industrialization jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's creating some of this shift. And so I like to, to hear that you know, following your passion is now just, just as valuable as the shoulds should be. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that that's um, 
it's kind of fantastic in the way that we kind of learned how to adapt as humans, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like the shift starts to happen without even realizing, like without it being a conscious thing, I guess. I mean, I'm sure for some people it is a very conscious thing, but um, for myself, just thinking really small, um, it was, it was conscious to move towards, you know, teaching yoga and not wanting to be in a, a casual business attire every day and <laughs> um, not wanting to have a boss, but to be my own boss. Like, I, I think that was what I was drawn to. And that was very conscious. But the idea that there's kind of the shift globally towards some of those things as certain other jobs are, you know, more automated and taken over um, in different ways. The other thing that I think is important with mindful business is that even though, I mean, obviously profit's important and you want to make a a living at what you're doing, a mindful business, and this is one of the definitions for me, is guided by purpose. So for me personally, this means helping people heal themselves. Um, You know, my path wasn't conventional by the roadmap that we talked about. I didn't go to college right after high school. I I got into retail management and made enough money to keep me from going to school because I I started making more and more, you know, and when you're 19 and you're making, I don't know, probably it was probably like 30 to 35,000 a year in a, you know, when you're 19 in the nineties, that was a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I veered off many times, but in hindsight, much of the things that I did from service industry, retail, property management, fitness instruction, to becoming an adult college student, um, even being in a rock band or being a parent, led me down this path to my real interests and finding my real passion and helping people in whole body health and well-being. And I in hindsight, can look back and see that I sharpened my saw enough to take the leap and make that my career. And so even though it's now currently forming within this last five years in particular, um, it's helpful to look back and see like, oh, you know, doing retail and having some marketing experience or doing property management and having... Um, uh, budgeting experience really becomes helpful in a mind in a mindful way that I can apply those skills to my passions because that's the other thing that and I think we talked to Heather Glidden about this when we interviewed her about her book um, about the healing profession is you wear so many hats when you're an entrepreneur. You have to, you know, you have to be a business person and you have to be a healer. You have to be a, you know, or outsource in ways that you can. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting in the ways that we've been shaped by our past to, to do that. And I think more and more because of the internet, because of free marketing, because of free or almost free software availability or the ability to get your information out to people like it's so much easier now to have a business and to start on your own 
you know, even if your business is selling something on Etsy, <laughs> you have Etsy. Whereas that, that wasn't possible 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. It was more at your farmer market and craft shows mm-hmm. um, to get it out because, you know, the internet was just taking off. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, for me, I, I have, as being an entrepreneur, it's often lonely. And I always tell people, I can tell you what not to do. <laughs> so more, and I learn from, from my mistakes, but you know, I, I've, decided over the dust decade is when I, let me back up. I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. It's okay. When, when I started the business, I didn't realize that I was really on a journey to learn more deeply about myself. So when you say, you know, I didn't want to have a boss. Right. Well, I, you know, I, that's all I knew was having a boss and climbing the corporate ladder and, and doing, you know, checking off these boxes for my review and my expectations. So when I started the business and if something wasn't going well, I had nowhere to look but to me. And so it's been this personal growth journey mm-hmm. as well as I decided that I, I needed to, to keep myself kind of out of that self-doubt Um, I had to come up with what was my why. So when I find that I've, you know, put myself into another hole of mistakes as a business owner, what, and it's hard and I'm not sure, but I want to, you know, look at my shadow side and, you know, climb out of the hole, yada, yada, yada. Why am I there? And that's really boiled down to the fact that, you know, my purpose is to inspire and nurture the human soul through therapeutic movement. and. I can always go back to that statement for peace of mind and, you know, be like, okay, you know, here I am. And I also kind of keep a list of some great entrepreneurs that um, very publicly have shared, you know, their failed business attempts and their successes. And, and that also, you know, gives me hope to kind of keep going with that and informing and shaping and growing. And even over the last that. 11 years, you know, my career's changed very differently. Like I, I feel like each year I can kind of narrow down a little bit, you know, as girls, you kind of make a dating list of what you sure. were looking for in a man. I feel like I've done that with my business. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, make a mistake, adjust the list, make a mistake, adjust the list. Okay. This is really where I feel grounded and comfortable in my being. Right. I feel like I could probably come up with a few people too. I think maybe for our, um, our episode notes, our show notes on our website, we should list a few people that we look to as mindful entrepreneur mentors, or even if it's just people that we've kind of valued. I, I think that would be really cool. I heard Dave Ramsey once say, you know, look, the reason that I get to talk about finances and I get to be harsh and, you know, say some things is because I've lived it. I've done it. I've been there. I've made those mistakes. And I always go back to that when I'm talking to other studio owners, because I'm like, okay, look, the reason that I can tell you about this is because I made the mistake and this is what I learned. Yeah, no, I I think that that's, um, I I feel like that's just in general. (laughs) If you have advice for someone, it's probably because you screwed up, not because you you know stuff. You know, I think that, goodness, I had a... um, (laughs) 
my stepdaughter just thinking about like, obviously I'm telling you these things, not because I want to boss you around, but because I screwed up. <laughs> I don't want you to, I don't want that to happen. So that, that I feel like is pretty blanket statement across the board. So I think consciousness is shifting. We kind of talked about that a little bit. We're really moving maybe because we've got blinders on and we're in such a a wonderful field. I know that there's dark sides to our field as well, to health and fitness, to mind to body, to even just to yoga. Like I'm not blind to those things, but I really do feel like um, more generally we're moving from like that dog eat dog mindset that, you know, crabs pulling each other down as we're trying to climb out of the bucket mindset to one that sees that there's enough to go around. So I think another really important trait to mindful entrepreneurs is that we care more about helping each other find our own success instead of believing that the success of others in our field must mean less for us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I, I really look around and maybe it's because there's more um, female, I, maybe I'm making a generalization, but because there's more females in our industry. Um, but I, I do feel like there's not a, a lack mindset. There's not a, if I succeed, then you can't, or if you succeed, then I can't. It's very much more of a, and I'm not bashing dudes. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that it, maybe it's just an interesting shift in our consciousness as a whole and society as a whole that it feels to me more like more and more people are willing to stick out a hand and help you up. And I feel like it's my responsibility to, you know, stick my hand out to help others because but- there is more there's enough to go around. There is. And if you look at what you deem as any successful person, so let's just say, you know, it's a celebrity entrepreneur or a celebrity business person, someone at some point was more seasoned in their career and reached down and offered wisdom and a hand up and some support. And that when they were younger, they had the intuition And the courage to, you know, lean into that support or ask for that support. And that's never going to go away, I don't think. Um, No, but I I think that um, there's less of the, um, if you want me to help you, you have to do me a favor kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I feel Mm -hmm. like there's much less of a, it comes from greed. And I'm not saying that that mentorship that that's the only path that there was. I know that that's always been there, but it just seems like more and more, it's a a more honest, I guess, uh, approach. I don't know. I just think that most individuals, oh my goodness, (laughs) (laughs) who fit into the category of mindful entrepreneurs versus just an entrepreneur, I guess that's my, um, with this topic, that was my delineation. Find contentment or fulfillment working somewhere in which they're serving others and able to be comfortable, which means making enough money to pay the bills and support their family or their lifestyle, but not striving towards being a millionaire or a billionaire. 
you know what I mean? Like it's not. Yeah. I I think it's determining what is your not enough going to be. Yeah. Um, So defining that early on and realizing, you know, I've realized the more boundaries I have for myself and, and holding those boundaries, the more mindful I can be and more compassionate I can be to help others, whether that's clients or other, you know, entrepreneurs. Um, so mm-hmm. those no, are two big, the point. two big things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So in addition to like, those were the biggest ones for me, the purpose, the values. Um, additionally, when I started thinking about what does mindful entrepreneur mean, um, I also came up with, you know, green and sustainable and environmentally conscious businesses are mindful businesses, um, businesses that honor and value themselves and their employees. So businesses that have reasonable hours, that consider time off, time off for self-care, considered continued education, um, and a growth mindset that sees growth potential as more than just financial, but really the emotional, intellectual, and spiritual growth of themselves and their employees over just um, a financial growth. Um, those are all additional things besides purpose and drive and values that to me defined, I mean, those are, <laughs> those include values <laughs> on purpose. Um, but when I, when I thought mindful entrepreneur, those are a few other things that came up for me in thinking about it. So what about, what does mindful entrepreneurship mean to you? Well, one thing that I wanted to, to kind of pull out when you were saying uh, financial is sometimes in our industry, um, and I'm specifically referring to yoga, mm-hmm. um, you know, people think that you aren't entitled to make money. This is true. Yeah. And, and so uh, to me, it comes down to a couple of things. This is, and I'm, I might be getting on a soapbox, so I apologize. It comes down to self-worth mm-hmm. and like you and I, when we've started this podcast, free isn't free, right? right? There are a certain amount of expenses. And so when a studio owner, or even if you're in private practice by yourself or whatever that might look like, that business model, there's expenses to keep the doors open or keep the lights on in the in your internet world, whether you're in a brick and mortar or you know, out in the ether on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that's just your base expenses. But then you've put in a lot of, uh, you have your self-care, you have your education. um, And so it's okay to take your personal expenses of what you need, what your enough is for your own financial survival and put that on top of what the business foundation needs to operate. And then determine your pricing off of that because you are just as worthy as someone sitting behind a desk. Yes. And that is part of what is mindful. Mm -hmm. That you do that for yourself. And additionally, like you can, you give that to your employees as well. You know, you can provide tools and flexibility and education and, you know, I think people struggle with that. I I mean, I have found in having an an employee model, you know, people have struggled with that. And when I set 
you know, look, there has to be a minimum, you know, and and I would allow, you know, three months to six months of, you know, I will take out of my pot to make up the difference in what you're teaching. Because I understand Mm -hmm. it takes a while to get you going, right? And Mm -hmm. I want to try to make that easier for someone else than it was for me. But at some point, you know, you have to have a boundary of, okay, you know, you have to step out and own and cover your own financial piece of what you're teaching. Right. Um, You know, because otherwise you find that as a business owner, you're just working harder, 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 harder. um, And you just can't keep up. It it becomes too exhausting at some point. Right. Well, and what you're saying is, you know, not to devalue um, the, the product or service that you're giving. And, and, you know, like you said, in our industry, that's kind of what it's seen, you know, it should be selfless service and it can't be. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've, I've had this conversation too with other um, healers, you know, they'll say, well, I don't want to charge so much. And, and so I say, you know, from a consumer's perspective, looking in, they see that, you know, my price is market value for education, for covering the foundations, you know, having a, a base level of of survival needs in there for a salary. And now you've taken the price and you're charging half, but yet you still have that um, same education that you've spent in money. And so the consumer's like, I don't understand what the difference is here. Mm-hmm. You know, why is one $60 and one $30? Mm-hmm. And what it does is it, it skews um, the perception for the whole profession. Yes. And really, it's one person has figured out a little bit of self-worth and one person's still struggling with some self-worth. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, when, when I was um, talking about, you know, how we see success, um, one of the things that I mentioned that I felt like and, and what a mindful entrepreneur does in my eyes, you know, making enough to pay the bills and supporting their family and lifestyle. It doesn't have to be like that extravagant thing, um, but, but knowing your self-worth and what is comfortable, you know, and I, and I feel like that's for anybody, whether it is in a, in a mind-body field or whether you are making, you know, clothing for cats on Etsy, <laughs> your mm-hmm. time and effort that went into the product or the service, um, should be compensated and and so see this is another shift that i think that's occurring you, we we talked a lot about um the job market and how things have changed so much and you know minimum wage isn't a living wage and right. i think that you know it's because we're, there's not a value on the person actually working and yet there's somebody at the tippy tippy top who is like, but I need more. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more people are like, no, I value myself enough that I'm going to put my passion project out there and I'm going to risk all of that because I know that what I have is a value and other people will see it that way and pay for that. And I think there's a shift on both ends. I think there's a shift that we are more conscious and aware of how we spend our money 
just as much as we're conscious and aware of, you know, what we're putting out there to make money. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. So I have a little bit of a cold that I'm overcoming. So it's I apologize okay. I if I'm clearing my you, throat a lot. Your voice is sultry uh, today. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, but I know that it comes from you not being able to talk for a week. Yes. And I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, so for me, this topic, like as we wrap up, it wasn't inspired. Like many times our topics are inspired by something specific. Um, and obviously it was inspired by becoming an entrepreneur myself and, you know, this venture that we've done with this podcast. Um, but it wasn't really inspired by a particular person or article or book like many of our other topics are. It was just from my observation and my own experience as we have kind of gone through this. Um, it's really apparent to me that mindfulness in business is a thing now. And I really feel a thing. <laughs> and I really think that it's a shift that's kind of here to stay. Yeah, I think that this is like our economy is going to be driven more and more in this way. I love that. I agree. So, how about you listeners? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you're an entrepreneur or if you're thinking about becoming one, um, what values and beliefs drive you? How do you feel that you're mindful in your business? Um, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to know if there are ways in which you could be more mindful as an entrepreneur, or even if you're not an entrepreneur and you're in a career path that um, maybe isn't necessarily your passion product, how do you make that mindful? How do you make that work for you? Hit us up at info at where the lotus grows or on all of our social media platforms. We're so happy that you took the time to listen to us today. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, Where the Lotus Grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, Where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.